You're listening to the Boise Community Church Podcast. We desire to be a people who are following Jesus authentically and missionally. For more information, please visit boisecommunitychurch.org. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. Please feel free to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. Uh, We would love to give you a Bible if you don't own a Bible. Um, Love for that. We love getting the Word of God into the hands of the people. So, um, and if you would stand with me, we're going to pray one more time. And I want to ask you, as we pray, one of the interesting things in the Old Testament, you know, when we pray as Americans, we like to close our hands and kind of hunker down. In the Old Testament, when they would pray, the Jews would actually pray with open hands. And part of the, the symbolism and the picture of that was they knew they were coming to God as a provider, as a comforter, as someone that they can come to with their needs and with their petitions and with the things that are going on in their lives. And so I want to ask you in this moment just to simply put your hands out ready to receive from the Lord this morning, if you're comfortable. And let it, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you that you are a God who gives freely. That you love us with a passionate, all-consuming, consistent, constant love. And so, Lord, as we come as your people into your presence, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us as your people. That we would have the heart like Samuel, when you're calling our name, that we would say, speak, your servant is listening. And that our hearts would be soft and ready to receive your gospel this morning, your good news for us this morning. And I thank you, Jesus, that you have given us so many things and so much love and community and so much uh, blessing in our lives. So may you continue to Give to us as your people, and may we be ready to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that you let yourselves be circumcised. If you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who puts himself being circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law and who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Verse 5, for through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough, and I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. 
Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Some pretty strong language there. Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in the keeping of this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what, what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy and drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. The word of the Lord. So when we see people who are struggling, feel free to grab a seat. When, when we see people who are struggling with addiction, they're struggling financially, they're struggling relationally, emotionally, spiritually, normally it breaks our heart. It causes this moment where we feel this deep struggle. We wrestle in ourselves and we feel this pain in our hearts that says, almost this like knot in our stomach that is like, it shouldn't be this way. I'm curious, have you had that moment? You know, when you're walking and you see people in those situations. It doesn't have to be somebody. Sometimes it's family members and people we're directly in relationship with. Other times it's complete strangers. Seeing kids that are homeless. Seeing people struggling with mental disorders. Or drug addiction. And I'm sure there's many different things that you could fill in the blank here. I don't know about you, but for me it does. It puts this knot in my stomach and it grieves me. Because I love people and I want to see people thrive and doing well. And I believe that knot in our stomach is, is something that God has given his people where... It is. It's our body's way of telling us, hey, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And in my years of counseling with couples, as I've heard different stories, or couples and individuals, as I've heard different stories be shared, you know, and different tragedies that have gone on in their stories, the thing that's always really interesting and is really challenging is 
every time I'm sitting across from someone, I struggle because I feel this desire where I want to say the best thing I can to help them. But at the end of the day, I also know that I don't have magic words. And that the best thing I can do in those moments is be with them. But it's in these moments, it's in our reality, it's in our world, the question we need to know is, where's, where is hope? Where is the gospel? Because I believe, church, it has to be more than just a scripture or a theological understanding. It has to offer more than just, hey, it's going to be a really tough down here, but when we get to eternity, it's going to be really great. So if you can just white knuckle it for 70 years, you know, good job. 80 if, you know, you're strong or longer. But it has to be more than that, right? So what is the gospel for the people that are in these moments and in these situations for today? Because we do, we believe the gospel is not just eternity. We believe it's something for right now, right here. And honestly, that, that gospel that's for those people that I was describing, whether they're homeless or struggling in mental disorders or addiction or whatever it may be, that's the same gospel for us this morning. Struggling for patience with our kids, struggling with controlling our own emotions and being stirred up and wrestling in those ways. And this is the promise. This is what the hope is, is that you are free to have a new life. The gospel gives us the opportunity to be free. And I'll, something I want us to hear in that is, notice that I said it's the opportunity. It's not the guarantee that you will be free. Because a guarantee is something completely different. It's completely void of everything. At the end of the day, if it's guaranteed, you, you're just going to receive it. No matter what. But we can choose... To not walk and live in that freedom. And that's really what we see happening in the book of Galatians at this moment. What Paul's trying to challenge and correct in them. Because when we think of freedom, we think of, you know, the definition which is on the screen. The power or right to act or speak or think as one, who, one, as one wants without hindrance or restraint. But that's not necessarily the same type of freedom that we're talking about this morning. That's not the freedom that we have as followers of Jesus. And you're like, well, that's not freedom. It is freedom. And we're going to talk about that and what that looks like. Because the reality is, as a follower of Jesus, we know that we're not free to go do whatever we want. There is still morality. There is still a heart that we walk in and that we live in. And the reason we do those things is because those things will hurt us. I heard an old pastor say one time where he would talk about sin and he would say sin is not bad because God doesn't want you to have fun. Sin is bad because it hurts you and it hurts those around you. And the reality is, is we have cause and effect in our life. As we all know, if you choose to overspend, you know, from what you make, you're going to end up in debt. If you choose to be unfaithful in your marriage, you're going to lose your spouse and probably the respect of your children. If you choose to repeatedly cheat on your diet, like I do, 
you'll be like me when you step on the scale and you'll be very disappointed that the numbers are still not dropping the way that you envisioned they would, should be. But it's the same with the Spirit, and it's the same with our spiritual practices as followers of Jesus. If you don't read the Bible, how will you ever really know who Jesus is? It's one thing to sit and hear a pastor share about who Christ is. And I have tremendous respect and reverence for the the role that I stand in. But I also know that that does not help you in the dark night of the soul in those moments where you're struggling and wrestling and and doubting. Which is why we need a faith that is our own. If you don't ever pray, how will you have a relationship with Him? Because all of our choices will have an effect on how we move forward and what our lives look like as we move forward. And this is why Paul starts off the chapter, he says... It is for freedom that Jesus has set you free. You are free to be a follower of Jesus, church. You are not, your past is not stopping. Your sin is no longer stopping you. You can live into your true identity as a follower of Jesus or as a child of God. But you have to be the one that steps into it. It, it doesn't just happen. And Paul takes some time in this chapter and he warns us of two things. Two different types of struggles that that pop up. He talks about don't ignore your freedom, trying to continually justify yourself, and don't waste your freedom. So this idea of don't ignore your freedom, Paul has been harping on this and challenging the people with this in mind throughout the book of Galatians. Remember, they're trying to follow the old Jewish laws and uh, customs and all these different things because they're trying to be right before God. And some of you know the story of the rich young ruler, and I'm just going to summarize it for you just for time's sake. But he asks, this rich young ruler comes to Jesus, and he says, hey, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus you know, quotes the Ten Commandments. He's like, yeah, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't covet, don't do all these different things. And the man looks at Jesus and says, I can do that. I've kept the law since I was young. I murdered that one kid when I was five, but after that, we're good. Just kidding. But he said, you know, I kept these when I, I kept the law since I was young. And Jesus looks at the man and he says, he, and what's interesting, if we put it into our common day and what we do in the church today, we would be like, all right, come on in. Be part of the family of God. Like, you're good. You're doing it. You're trying to obey and do what God's called you to do. That's great. But Jesus looks at the man and he says, hey, I want you to go and sell everything you have. Then I want you to follow me. And then the rich young ruler's stuck at that point. And he wa- it says that he walks away grieved because he had so many different, so many things. But what I want to point out is I don't think it was the man's wealth that was the problem. I think it was the man's heart because the rich young ruler was stuck in how he approached God. He approached Jesus with this mindset of, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And then he was like, I'm good. I'm there. I have it. But when God approached him and said, hey, this is who I want you to be, he said, I can't do that. 
He was more interested in his stuff than he was in the relationship with God. He didn't really want to follow Jesus. He wanted to be in good standing. And I have to ask you, in the honesty of your heart, are we in this place? Because it's easy for us to fall into this place. And if we are, we don't have to be like him and walk away sad. We can repent. We can, re- we can turn. We can say, Jesus, I've been chasing the wrong thing. I've been after the wrong thing. I want to be with you. And this is where Galatia, the church in Galatia is at this moment. How can we measure that we're good enough? How can we be justified as good on our outward actions? And in their minds, they're thinking, well, certainly... If I just follow the law, that makes total sense. It's part of the same book. Of course I should do this. All right, so we're going to get everybody circumcised. We're going to go back to following the Jewish dietary restrictions. We really like the pork phase, but we're going back. You know, so many different things. But they were trying to live a lifestyle that justified themselves rather than a relationship with the Redeemer who justified them. And I wonder if we do the same thing. And that can be going to church. That can be how we read our Bible. That can be prayer. That can be serving. It can be so many different things. And I want you to really pause and allow your hearts to be searched in that way. Are you trying to live a lifestyle that justifies yourself apart from Jesus? Because Paul points out again and again and again in the book of Galatians that there is no way to come to Jesus except through him. There's no way to come to salvation except through Jesus. We don't go, and Jesus said, he said, no one comes to the Father except through me. It's through Jesus alone. There's no justification apart from him. It doesn't matter what you give. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you know. It's simply through Jesus alone. And we need to realize that this can happen to any of us. And Paul, in his challenge and critique of the church in Galatia, he says, hey, you were running a good race, but then you got off track. When I was running my marathon, I had two great fears. One is that I was going to get horribly injured. Because I was like, this is a lot of, like, I'm a runner, but I, I, one of my favorite compliments from somebody when I was doing this wedding was like, he was like, you don't look like a long distance runner. And I was like, thank you. I don't look like a long distance. What most people picture is a long distance runner. So I was afraid I was going to get hurt, partly for that. Uh, and the second part was, I was terrified that I was going to get lost. Because when you get lost when you're running a race, you're just wasting time. And you're just wasting energy. So I didn't get hurt, but I did get lost when I ran my marathon. And I ended up running an extra mile or two. Which I knew, when I, I remember hearing from somebody else, they ran an extra seven, so I felt a lot better that I only ran an extra two. Um, But the Galatians, they were running a good race. They were moving in the correct direction. They were a people that were one with God, living in the spirit, sharing the gospel and helping others to know who he is, serving and loving their city and community. But they were taken off course by false teaching and by their own wrong thinking. 
and here's the thing, church, in those moments, tremendous stuff happens in that. They didn't know who they were anymore. Paul spends the book of Galatians and is constantly calling them back. Remember who you are. You are the people of God. Stop trying to be formed by the religious culture or by your city's culture or by your own thinking. But be formed by the Holy Spirit. Be formed by Jesus. And ultimately, they really lost their relationship with Jesus. They just put it on the shelf. It had become about their actions over their faith. And they had lost focus on what was really important. They were more concerned about how they looked to others than who they really were in their character and in the silence and in the solitude. And so church, hear this this morning. Jesus is not after your behavior. The goal of following Jesus is not that you, can, you listen to Christian music and you only read Christian books and you don't swear or drink or smoke or do whatever you, your version of bad things are. But Jesus wants you this morning. He wants you. All of you. Wherever you're at. Whether you're running in your faith and you're stri- or f- and doing great. Or if you're limping along. Jesus wants you this morning. So come to him. In Paul's day, they struggled with the law because there, there was this transition where, between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Today, that's not really a problem. I don't see anybody walking around being like, you know what, I think for us to become better followers of Jesus, we need to start circumcising everyone. You know, that's not, a, that's not something we're wrestling with. Or, hey, if you want to be a better follower of Jesus, we don't eat shellfish anymore. But we do create these things in the church that we say, hey, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Which are the things that we use to judge one another's faith. I had written out a few examples, but I felt like they were mean-spirited, so I took them out. Um, so I want to I ask you to consider those things. What are those things? Don't ignore your freedom because it's been freely given. But you just have to receive it and walk in it. The Galatians had this freedom, but they just said, I don't know if I want to trust this. I'm going to really make sure I'm good by it. I'm going to take a couple more steps this way, and I'm going to make sure I'm good. But it was in those steps away that they're actually stepping away from Jesus. Most of you know that I've adopted two kids. And I love them. They're awesome. They're super fun. And one of the things I wrestle with and I pray over them and I I feel as a heavy weight in my soul is what they will be like when they grow up. And I know I'm going to be a part of shaping that process. And and as they grow, they're going to know that they're adopted. It's going to be clear. It's not something we plan on hiding. And those of you that know us know that that's it's not how we operate. We want them to be aware of their past and be aware of their, their background. And so they're going to grow up knowing that they're adopted. And I want them to walk in the confidence and the freedom that they're my child. 
And they always will be. But they alone will have the choice whether they want to walk into that or not. Whether they want to be fully brought in as a, as a new. Because they are. They are adopted. They are loved. They are wanted. And I can literally look at my kids and I can say, I chose you. Which is pretty amazing. Like I can look at my bio kids and I can say, I chose you because we chose to have you. But But being able to hold them as a baby and say, yeah, I, I remember when you weren't legally our child. And I'm so happy that you are. So they are loved, they're wanted, they're chosen. But hear this, church, so are you. Don't ignore the freedom. Don't ignore what Jesus has already given to you. The next thing Paul says, he says, hey, don't waste your freedom. And Paul states this, it this way, that freedom can be wasted. And you, if we decide to keep it focused on what we want, what we feel we deserve, what the Bible describes as our flesh... We can get ourselves tangled up in so many different things. It can be money. It can be careers. It can be food. It can be alcohol. It can be sex. It can be a million different things. But in our current cultural moment, honestly, I think the thing that we get entangled with the most, and I'm 100% guilty of this, is busyness. We allow our schedules to be packed to the point that we do not have room or margin for anything in our lives. So we don't have the room for the things that fill our souls. And just to clarify, I don't believe Netflix fills our souls. The things that redeem who we are as people. But we do, we pack our meetings or our schedules with meetings and sports and just honestly with activity. To experience as much as we can. And we don't have a moment to sit and a moment to wait. So this morning, I'm going to give you that. I want to invite you just to close your eyes and just breathe. And in your your heart, in your spirit, To say, Lord, I'm here. I'm present. can waste our freedom by letting it. I remember when I would read the, the story of the, the, the seeds in the soil. How the sower goes out and he throws the seeds and one lands on like concrete and it doesn't grow at all. just bounces off and the birds eat it. One falls on you know some shallow ground and it kind of pops up and then it dies because the sun kills it. Then there's the third one where it goes out and the, it's choked up by thorns. Whenever I've read those parables, 
don't think I've ever looked at myself and been like, I'm the, I'm the third one. I'm being choked out. That's what Paul's talking about here. The cares of the world choking out the seed of faith in your life. And where that waste comes from, how we waste it is everyone and everyone and everything is telling you where you need to be, what you need to do, from what you eat to what you should say or do, what's, politi- what's politically correct, to what you should do, to what success is, and what your expectation even of yourself should be. And can I tell you something this morning, church? If you live this way, if you need to be a good mom means you need to make sure your kids have organic food and they're doing all these different things and they're involved in a zillion sports or they're doing all this stuff, you are a slave, according to the biblical narrative. Paul would say that we are in bondage, which is the nice way of saying slave. You are not living in freedom. You're a slave to sports. You're a slave to culture. You're a slave to others' view of you. Your pursuit of pleasure can easily become the rope that binds your hands and feet together. Again, welcome to Boise Community Church. Glad you're here. It's really encouraging this morning. This idea of being busy robs us of our freedom. So how do we not waste this gift? You're like, okay, that sounds great. I'm in. Or maybe you're like, you're sounding kind of crazy. Don't worry, we're, we're still continuing. So how do we not waste this gift? Well, Paul makes it really simple. He just says, all we have to do to not waste the gift is to walk in the Spirit. And then everybody's like, that sounds really nice. But something that you need to realize this morning is that there is a war going on in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and in all every part of you. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, he says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict. They are in war. They are at war with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Paul is saying in this passage, he's saying, we can't do whatever we want. The freedom that he's giving us is not a freedom of like, hey, go drink till your heart's content. Go eat till your heart's content. Go and experience life to the full. The best is yet to come. Live it up. That's not what Paul's saying here. Because how we live affects our soul and our spirit in every aspect of us. That's why Jesus says, love the Lord with everything you are, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, with all of your spirit, because none of it is compartmentalized. All of it, every aspect of who we are. Your faith in your relationship with Jesus is not separate from a porn addiction. It's not separate from the treatment of your spouse and your kids or alcoholism or addiction 
or your financial status or what you want to chase with your free time. So if I ask you this morning, are you walking in the flesh or are you walking in the spirit? And we're about to walk and see what Paul defines as these things. We have to look at our own lives. What is bubbling out of you? I'm passionate about this because this is a season that I'm living in my own story where God is refining certain aspects of my own character. And it's hard. This is what Paul says in verse 19 of chapter 5. He says, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. But I want to show you what the message is version of this. Because I think we can read that and we can go like, yeah, I'm not, it's not like Tuesday night. I'm like, all right, cool, I'm going to go have an orgy. Like, or I'm just like getting plastered every week. Or, hey, I'm in this battle or fits of rage necessarily. Look at what it says in the message. It says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. I can't think of a better definition of what you see in pornography. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants. A brutal temper. An an impotence to love or be loved. What Paul's saying there is he's saying, They don't have the ability to feel love or to give love. Divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the victorious, or sorry, the vicious habits of depersonalizing everyone. That's robbing humanity of its humanity into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addiction, ugly parodies of community, and I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you You know if you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of or you will not inherit God's kingdom. And I don't think any of us in this room are gonna be like, that's what I want. I want something on that list. Like, that's what I want. I wanna be unable to feel loved, I wanna be feel always consuming, but never satisfied. I really want to live in a divided home or with a divided heart and life. Brutal temper, paranoid loneliness, those sound fantastic. Right? None of us think that. When I read this list, that is terrifying to me. That is everything I don't want to be. But if I don't want to be this person, I have to make a choice on who I want to be. And I aim my life and my ambition in that direction. And Paul tells us, aim yourself towards the Holy Spirit. When he says, walk in the Spirit, walk in step with the Spirit, that's what he's saying. The Holy Spirit wants to work in your story in this moment. In your 
your soul, in your doubt, in your fear, in your depression, in your struggle, in your marriage, in your role as a parent, in your career. Paul shows us what the life of someone who's walking in the Spirit is. He says it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We were teaching them the kids. We were teaching them the fruits of the Spirit. So Emma would always try to like rattle them all off. and She'd like get all jumbled. She'd be like, all right, there's this song, and I'm trying to figure it out. So you can ask your kids to see if they remember the fruits of the Spirit. But when we look at those things, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, love, joy, peace, patience, would these characterize your life? And I'll be the first person to admit, no. And that convicts me. Because I personally, I do, I struggle with joy. I struggle with peace. I struggle with gentleness. And self-control too. And I stand here sharing this not in a spirit of like, hey, I'm trying to disqualify myself or but just to honest, just to live with vulnerability and to say that I'm on this journey with you. But I don't stand before you saying, I figured it out, here's the magical keys, I've made it, or I'm good enough. Because I know that I'm a far way off from who Jesus wants me to be and looking like Jesus. But I want to look like him. Because I want people to know him. I want you to know him. I want my kids to know him. Because of who I am. And I want to know him because I love him. And because he loves me. And why he loves me, I honestly don't understand. (laughs) But Jesus made a promise to those of us that follow him. And I want to challenge you to read the gospel and look at how people became his followers. Because many of the times people said, hey, I want to follow you. And Jesus would say, well, go do this. And they'd say, no. And he's like, well, then you can't really follow me. And they would walk away sad like the rich young ruler we talked about earlier. Jesus didn't make it simple and easy. He wasn't the easy button. This is, this is what Jesus has promised for us as his followers. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple or my follower must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. To be a follower of Jesus isn't an act of choosing to believe in his teachings or to like him or to sing songs about him, but to be a follower means we spend time with him We become like him. Jesus tells us that as his followers, the road ahead is not filled with candy and magic, but the road ahead is led with death and death to ourselves. And this is something that hit me last night as I was finishing my notes. The way to love The way to peace, the way to joy, 
the way to gentleness is not marked with positive thinking or reading the right book or figuring the right prayer method. But it's a purposeful choice we make as his followers by taking up our cross, taking up the very thing that will bring death and following Jesus in the same way that he walked. The way of Jesus is crucifixion of ourselves because we know it would be better to give up everything and be with him than it is to have the houses, the cars, the body, the spouse, the kids, the money, but not have him. For us to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is found not through positive thinking, not through prayer, not through meditation, not through Bible reading. All things that I love. Those are part of the process, but it's not the main part. But it's found through crucifixion. And maybe you're like, that's cool, Mike. You're taking different scriptures and you're kind of like painting them together. Look at verse 24 of the chapter that we're reading in Galatians 5. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if those who belong to Jesus, they've crucified the flesh. So those who are truly His in Paul's world, words crucify the flesh and in turn live by the Spirit. So if you want love, if you want joy, if you want peace, if you want patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness, these are the byproducts in the life of someone who is following Jesus. Not just claiming they like his teachings, or they read the Bible every year, or they know theological arguments, or they do good deeds and acts. but someone that is truly following and shaping their life in the ways of Jesus. And I'm closing, so I know I've gone a little long. As a pastor, I don't want converts and congregants. Some of you have had conversations with me where I've always said my worst fear is to be a really large church. One, because I just don't know the people at that point. It's too hard. But what I want as a pastor, and as I pastor our sweet community, I want people who are following Jesus. But I know it has a cost. But I also know that not following Jesus also has a cost. The question is, which side are you going to weigh the scales? And in closing, I just wanted to read a quote from a pastor that I deeply respect. He said, to say yes to Jesus' invitation is to say, a thou- say no to a thousand other things. As the monks used to say, every choice is a renunciation. It's a denial or a rejection. To say yes to Jesus is to say no to living by my own definition of good and evil. To spending my time and my money however I want to the hyper-individualism, anti-authoritarianism, anti, yeah, that works, and full-tilt hedonistic pursuit of our day. 
It's a thousand tiny deaths that all lead up to one massive life. It's not a futile grasping for control, but the freedom of yielding to love. It's saying to Jesus, whatever, whenever, sorry, whatever, wherever, and whenever, I'm yours. And so as we close this morning, I want to invite you to the table this morning. And we're going to take the elements together. Something that we really believe is sacred and valuable as a church is is the act of taking communion every week. And so let the words of this morning fall like seeds into your heart, into your mind, into your soul, and allow the Spirit to stir if there's something that's stirring up in you. And something I would want to encourage us as a church, not to allow those things to just kind of be hidden in our hearts, but if there's something stirring, I want to encourage you, be a church that confesses those things that is vulnerable with what's going on in your story and what's going on in your heart. And so as you come to the table, I'm going to close with a song. And as we sing, may this song be true in our hearts and even more in our lives as we come to the table this morning. And so, Father, we do, we just thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives and in our stories. I thank you that you are doing a good work. That we have the opportunity to to be in deep, meaningful relationship with you. I pray that we wouldn't waste our freedom just chasing things that, that at the end don't last. Or Lord, chasing after things that are not going to make us the people you're calling us to be. And Lord, if maybe if we're on the other side of the camp and we're just wrestling with living into who we really are as your people, I pray that you would help us to, to walk in that freedom and to walk in that joy today. And so we just lift ourselves up to you. In Jesus' name, amen.